Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Uh, a g- couple of things just let me share with you real quick. You could uh, save the date, take a picture. We'll talk about it a lot between then. But on August the 7th will be our serve day. We didn't get to do one last summer, uh, but it's where we we partner up with our community and we invade the community and just do all kind of uh, random acts of kindness and service and all kind of different things. Well, we're going to we're going to up it this year. I felt like since we missed last year, we got to do double. Right, everybody? Come on now. And uh, so we're going to we're going to up the ante a little bit. So we're going to have a full day. We're working with the mayor's office and different uh, agencies around town to do some ministry needs. And and because of your faithfulness and given, we'll go out there and do a number of things and community projects. We've painted buildings. We've cleaned up trash. We've cleaned up graffiti in the past. Um, just a number of things. And uh, so we'll have some lists. And w- wouldn't it look great instead of 20% participation? What if we could just double that and had 40% of our church participating? Come on now, right? Uh, how about 50%, right? I mean, what if we just invaded? Because see, I don't think our community needs to hear that Jesus loves them. I think they need to see that Jesus loves them. I think they need to see the church. And so we've got a number of things that we're working on and planning, but here's some of the big things we're planning and how you can help. Uh, We've been collecting shoes. If you still want to bring shoes, you can bring shoes for our new outreach center. We're trying to at least have about 100 pair of shoes in stock all the time so whenever we come across a need, we can meet that need. Um, And so if you don't want to go shoe shopping, you can just give. You can give on our... our, uh, website or our app right yep and uh, and then we're also going to do groceries um, and so uh, you can take a picture of those any of those kind of items non-perishable because here's what's going to happen on serve day at the end of serving the community we're going to come here we're going to do our church service and then we're going to have a big taco blast in the parking lot all right I knew I'd get your attention with food AJ all right and uh, it's just something, you know. And so we're going to partner with the restaurant here. We're going to pitch big tents out in the parking lot. And so at the end of serve day, we're renting buses. We're going to bus in as many of the homeless individuals that we can, that we've built relationships with. We're going to bring them into our outreach center. We're going to make sure every one of them, come on, has a new pair of shoes. Woo! Then you can identify them. You can see them walking down. Hey, they got them shoes from me, right, everybody? And, and so we're going to do that also. It's not just about the homeless, but it's also about the hurting. And so uh, we're working with some neighborhoods and some outreaches right now where we're going to do a drive-by grocery bag. So by you helping us supply all this, we need lots. We're going to put in the trunk of every car that drives by. So we're going to come in here. We'll do our regular church service. And uh, it'll be tough because you'll be smelling tacos cooking out there. And when we're done, we'll go out and just have a party in the parking lot. We're going to load trunks up with groceries. We're going to put shoes on feet. And uh, we're just going to love people and share the love of Christ. Right, everybody? How many think that's a good idea, right? Um. So you can, you can take a picture of this little pile of stuff here and you can start bringing it as early as next weekend. If you don't want to do that, you don't want to go shopping, then you can just give towards it and just put outreach, grocery. Does it say groceries at all? It just says outreach. Just the outreach tab, you can give to that and we'll spend that money on that. Okay, 
Uh, and one other thing, if anybody's interested, we have a couple remodel projects that we got to get done. Some of them in the outreach center, some of them here. Uh, we just we were we were getting ready to do some things and we flooded the floor. So we got the floor back together. But we got a couple rooms. Uh, we got some painting that needs to be done and just a couple minor things. And, and if you can help out, either see myself or see Janessa tonight. Or if you don't have a chance, just email us. All right, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's not my church. Man, you guys got quiet. I start talking about working and everybody's like, oh, I don't know who he's talking to tonight now. I like the shoe stuff, but we ain't going to work. Okay, well, I'm talking to you. This is our church, right, everybody? So we need some help around here. So I, I would appreciate it. Are you guys ready for part number three? Okay, I'm going to work you over hard, all right? I'm going to tell you right up front, this one comes really with, uh, it, it should have been like uh, enter at your own risk kind of thing. Um, I think it's the hardest one of the seven. I'm not sure if that's correct because I got another one coming up that looks a little tough too. Um, but you got to understand something, and I hope you know my heart. I want to be a pastor tonight. I don't want to just be some preacher. I want to be a pastor of a church tonight. And the way we do that is we we lift up God's word and see what He says about things, and we communicate those kind of things, or, or we communicate those things. So once a year, I try to do one book of the Bible, and we just kind of, here's what the Scripture says. Um, how many know, I, I mean, I know none of you are this way, but how many know some people that don't always agree with what the Scripture says, right? I, I mean, not, I'm not talking about people outside. The, I'm talking about Christians that don't always agree with what the Word says, right? But I think we have to, somewhere in our maturity and in our walk with Christ, we have to quit modifying the Bible to meet our lifestyle and modify our lifestyle to meet what God says. And some of the things that God says doesn't fit real good in the culture we live in today. Would anybody agree with me on that? But I'm going to preach it anyway, and, uh, and I hope that you'll hear it with a heart of love. Um, when Jesus is giving these letters to John to talk to the early churches about, um, he loves them enough to correct them. And I feel like that's what Jesus is doing for us. The church is not a building. The church is you and I. And so some of these things you'll, you'll be like, oh, that isn't an issue with me. But if it is, would you at least open your heart to hearing what God has to say? Because He's not trying to make mess your life up. He's trying to build your life up. Right, everybody? And so that's uh, what we're going to attempt to do tonight. I need to pray one more time because some of you are scaring me. Would you please smile? All right, all right. So, Father, I pray that you would allow this message to be interpreted. Though it might, I, I always get a little passionate and sometimes a little loud, but, Father, I pray that it wouldn't feel at all like stones being thrown, but it would feel more like um, you just embracing us and talking to us. I pray you do that for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as Mark was saying, we were just in Phoenix, and one of the things I was thinking about when I was on the airplane is uh, a lot of cities have nicknames, right? Uh, you've been to different cities. Like Phoenix is known as the Valley of the Sun. And, uh, of course, I used to live in Detroit. Detroit is... All right, come on. I'm proud of you guys. All right. Motor City. Chicago is... Windy City, all right, come on, all right, how about uh, Seattle is rainy city. <laughs> we're not from here, we're, we're trying our best, aren't we, honey? <laughs> Emerald City, right, 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 and, and New York is the big, and, and Los Angeles is the city of, 
All right, you guys are on it. Well, I kind of led you into that pretty good. But we're on the third church in the seven churches that Jesus deals with. And the church is Pergamos or uh, Pergamum, however you want to pronounce it. And, and he, here's <laughs> Pergamum, the third church that we're going to deal with, is known as, the, as Satan's city. How many know that's like, woo? It's kind of like up there with Las Vegas. You know what I'm saying? It's known in its time as Satan's city. Now, here's why. The church has allowed the outside influences to infiltrate it. And, um, and, and so that's kind of our theme tonight because I wonder, I'm going to preach to me for just a minute because I'm the guy that really likes to be relevant. I'm the guy that really would rather preach to people with no church background than people that have been in church all their life that know everything already. And so I've got to be careful because I wonder if in the name of being relevant, if we've taken our cues from mainstream, if we've taken our cues from media and the marketplace, more than we've taken our cues from what God wants to do. Because somewhere in our Christian walk and somewhere in our Christian life, we have to walk, we, we, somewhere we ought to be walking closer to Jesus. Somewhere in our Christian walk, we ought to look more like Jesus. Can, can I get a little help in here, right? Uh, somewhere in that, l- let me give you an example. I had a guy in my church one time, not this church, but I had a guy that started coming to my church he, and, and he had been there three or four weeks, I think, I'm not sure. And, and he came up to me and said, man, is there any way I could get a coffee with you? There's some things I really need to share. And, and, and I'm going to kind of go out on a limb and share this illustration. I hope you can deal with it. And so I went to coffee with the guy and we sat down and he said, man, I've been coming to your church for a little while. And man, I just love the message. I'm feeling God's love more than I've ever had. I've tried to plug into other churches and it just doesn't work. And, and I don't want to get my heart broken again. And that made me sit up and pay attention. I said, what do you mean you don't want to get your heart broken again? He said, well, first of all, I'm going to tell you something about me. And, and he began to tell me that he had a same-sex relationship. He had an alternative lifestyle. And then he asked me this question, almost like he was ready to exit, almost with an attitude. He said, what I want to know is now that you know this information, am I still accepted? Can I still go to your church? And, and, and I understood where he was coming from because obviously he had some baggage and obviously he had some hurt, right everyone? And I said, absolutely, you're accepted. But I'm going to ask you a question now. I said, I'm going to accept you. But a question you've probably never been asked is will you accept me? He sat up and said, what do you mean by that? I said, see, I'm going to accept you. Our circle is open. I love you. Nothing about my feelings towards you has changed one bit. You're accepted. But you need to understand that I don't necessarily agree with that lifestyle, but I still accept that lifestyle. So that means we're in disagreement. So can you disagree with me and still accept me if I don't believe the way you believe? I believe that's what the church ought to be. We still ought to have some standards. There's still some lines in this thing called life. Come on, help me. I'm feeling nervous up here. 
I said there's still some lines, and the lines are not based on what we think or where our generation is or where the trends are. The lines that we live by have to be the Word of God. Otherwise, you make a line, you make a line, I make a line, all God's people make a different line, and it leads to confusion. Come on, everybody. God's Word has to be the standard. What God is saying has to be the standard. That doesn't mean we don't accept people. Every single person has the right to pull up in here, sit in a black chair, and get on the journey and discover what God is saying to them. I'm not putting my convictions on you. I'm going to bring the Word of God and I'm going to let you wrestle with what the Word of God says. Come on, are you with me so far? Pergamos is a worldly church. In other words, they have allowed the world to dictate what they're doing. Pergamos is the center of idolatry. It, 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 it's the center of paganism. It's the center of idolatry. So let's dive into it. Let's read what it says. Pergamos, it says this, To the angel of the church... Now remember, there's a flow. Jesus reveals Himself. He compliments. He complains. He, complain, he gives a complaint about the church. Then He gives them a correction. And then He gives them a promise. Okay? So the angel of the church of Pergamum write, These are the words of Him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. That's where they live. They live where Satan has his throne. We'll talk about that in just a minute. You remain true to my name. That's the compliment. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas. Antipas was, uh, we'll talk about him in a minute. He, he was crucified for his belief in Christ. My faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. I, I mean, how'd you like that to be the nickname of your city? Not Emerald City, it's Satan City. That, that's where they live, all right? And then, uh, is that all I got right there for right now? Okay, that's it. Okay, uh, so, so here's the rhythm. Uh, he says, he, he reveals himself as the one with the sharp, double-edged sword. Listen, friends, whenever we get too much world in us and we reflect the world's values more than we reflect God's values, then we need Jesus to come and reveal himself to us through the Word of God. In other words, when we become more worldly than we are Word, come on now, then the way that Jesus combats that is saying you need to live according to the double-edged sword. You, Hebrews 4 calls the, a double-edged sword the Word of God. All right, and, and so Jesus steps up and says, I've come with a double-edged sword. Hashtag, here comes the boom. You know what I'm saying? It's like when Jesus shows up to your church with a sword, it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> we did something wrong. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so the rhythm continues and He gives a compliment, He gives a complaint. And so let's talk about the compliment. Um, first of all, the compliment is this in verse number 13. He says, you live where Satan has us thrown. You dared to go right into the thick of evil and plant a church. You, you chose to go right where the throne of Satan is, and that's where you decided to be a light. I kind of like those kind of people already. And, uh, and, and, and you're doing church in a very difficult area. The city, first of all, when you entered into the city, had an 800-foot giant statue of Zeus there. Wow, okay? That's how you enter in. And, um, and again, remember, they couldn't buy and sell 
unless they bowed to Caesar in those times. And he's saying, you put roots down. And by the way, Pergamos was the capital city. It was like, that's where Caesar is. So it's not like they're hiding off in the backwoods somewhere having church service. They're right in the middle of the place where Caesar is saying, if you don't bow to me, you don't buy and sell. That's where we're going to do church. Come on, you got to admire some people that go right into the throne of Satan and say, we're going to start a church here, right? And that's the compliment that he's given them. Um, and, and, and it's kind of, Mark, thanks for sharing that stat. It's kind of like sometimes I feel like doing church in Washington is kind of like that. Uh, Washington really is one of the most, it, usually it's tied with Oregon. I think we're more spiritual than the Oregon's, you know what I mean? All right. And, uh, but but it's, it's, uh, it's one of the most unchurched states in America. And if you've never been out of here, you don't have anything to compare that to. But it's different. As an outsider coming in, I can just tell you, it's different. There is a dark culture, not just in Washington. How many know this last year, we've seen some dark culture going on, right everybody? There's some things going on. Has anybody noticed the things that used to be wrong seem to be right now? Right? And, uh, and, and the church should be invading the darkness. The church shouldn't be coming more dark in the name of being relevant. Man, I wish you had my job one Sunday. Just one Sunday. I just wish you had to do what I have to do, alright? Uh, so here's the application. The application for us, Radius, I can't change the world, and I'm not the pastor of the capital C church, but I am the pastor of the little C Radius Church in Mount Vernon, and our responsibility is to push back darkness. Not in a legalistic, not in a mean, not in a condemning, not in a judgmental way, but through love, we push back darkness. We live, we, we, listen, you might think you live in this quaint little cute little Mount Vernon town with tulips. But there's some darkness in this town. There's some darkness in this valley. Come on everybody. Uh, um, I, you said, well we ain't like New York. I'm telling you, everything that's happening in New York is happening right here in this valley, whether you want to believe it or not. There is some darkness in this valley. There are gangs in this valley. There are drugs in this valley. There is a homeless epidemic in this valley. There is a victim mindset in this valley. There are abused women in this valley. Come on now. We are one of the most fatherless states in the Union right here in the state of Washington. There is sex trafficking right here in our little tulip town, Mount Vernon. Right here. In fact, I had a guy uh, used to sit right over there on the first or second row. He gave his life to Christ. I took him to coffee. We sat down and talked. He attended here for about three months. He told me that prior to coming to Christ, he was involved in trafficking women right here in this valley. Thank God he got saved. But there is darkness here. I'll tell you something else that's dark about our valley. There is a religious spirit in this valley. I, I would rather deal with all those other things I just said than people that are such a much religious and will fight you about everything that pertains to God. There is a religious spirit that makes some darkness happen here. Has anybody seen it? Come on, help me out and like give me a hand or something, all right? When we come together and we worship God and we give generously to the mission of the church, we're pushing back darkness. 
Come on. When, when we refuse to gossip, we are pushing back darkness. When, when, when Every time you honor the sacredness of marriage, you're pushing back darkness. Every time you pray with your kids before bed, you're pushing back darkness. Every time a husband and wife come together and seek God, you're pushing back darkness. Every time you bring your family to church, you're pushing back darkness. Come on. we got to push back darkness. When... when when you get in a group, when you make friends and you confide and you pray with one another, you're pushing back darkness because you're letting light shine on a dark area, a secret area of somebody's life. When you're praying and confiding, you, you're, we're on the front lines, friend, and we've got to push back darkness. If you were here last week, if not, you can listen to the message. But last week I talked about devils roam in dark places. We can't let darkness invade the church. Otherwise, we're just saying, hey, we might as well have the throne of Satan right here too. Devils roam, according to the book of Jude, in dark places. That means when I keep secrets in my life, I'm giving the devil a foothold to those areas of my life. Woo, come on, can we handle this? Are you guys there? Uh, Antipas, I told you about him. Um, Because he wouldn't bow and he was preaching against the darkness, here's how he died. Give me that picture. They put him in. Have you ever heard of this? The brazen bull? Yeah, that's how Antipas died. He refused to let darkness enter his church. And so darkness entered after. But they put him in what's called the brazen bull. And they say you can hear him screaming. You can hear them screaming through that horn there. Okay, He was roasted to death. I wonder sometimes, hmm, how much do we go through in comparison? Come on, everybody. He refused to let darkness invade his life or his church. He was a beacon of light, and he lost his life for it. And the only thing I get is somebody who doesn't like me on Facebook. I'm so emb- I'm going to go to heaven one day and meet some of these people. I'm going to be so embarrassed. Like, uh, what did you go through? Well, somebody disliked me on Facebook. You know, all right. Okay, so here's the complaint. Number two, that's the compliment that there's people like this. Number two, the compl- or excuse me, the complaint, watch, it's, it shifts in verse number 14. Verse number 14 says, nevertheless, some translations say, but, and then you know you're in trouble, all right? I have a few things against you. I kind of like this because Ephesus had one thing against it, right? And, and, and Smyrna last week had nothing against it. <laughs> but this one he starts off with, I got a few things again. Pull up a chair. We need to have a talk. You know, that, that's kind of like what he's saying, all right? He, he says, there are, some th- there are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam. I'm going to talk about these two teachings, and I want to contextualize them. How might they look in our world today? He says, there's some in your... Remember, this letter is to the church. It isn't the people that aren't serving God. It's people in the church. He said, here's some things I have against you. You you stick to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. I'm going to point you in the right direction on that. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Okay? And uh, I think that's all I got on that. Um, And and, and so... uh, And so Jesus is saying, here's the things that I have against you. Um, I think when we become too much uh, like the world, it means we're not in the Word enough. When the world is influencing you more than the Word is influencing you, how many would at least have to agree 
there might be a problem. There just could be a problem. Uh, uh, I think that's when we have to say, maybe I've become too worldly. Um, and, and here's my conclusion. As a pastor, what I've... You, you may differ and that's okay. But as a pastor, what I've seen, most people that come to church want a Savior. But not everybody wants a Lord. Everybody wants their golden ticket to go to heaven. But not everybody wants Jesus to tell them how to live their life. Because we believe the lie that He's trying to make our life miserable. But John 10.10 said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, right? He wants to give us a good life, everybody. Um, I, I know this is going to sound kind of preacher cliche, but if He's not the Lord of all, I just wonder if He's the Lord at all. We want a Savior to save us and make sure we get to go to heaven, but do we really want Him to be the Lord of our life? I don't know. It's just a thought. Everybody just smile at me just real quick. All right, just real quick. All right. So let's talk about these two teachings because these are the two primary things that he has against the church. The church is the people. He says, in your church you have allowed... I'm going to flip-flop them because Nicolaitans is easier to uh, describe than the other one. So uh, let's talk about the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans is antinomianism. I think I pronounced that right. Okay, That's what it really means. Uh, and what that really means is uh, it means anti-law. Okay, anti-law. Anti-law. So the teaching of the Nicolaitans, this is in, in the church. This teaching is happening. Okay, Nothing is wrong with using your Christ-given freedoms to conform to the world standard of sex, power, and comfort. That's what that teaching is saying. Basically, let me highlight it. What they're basically teaching in this church is you're saved by grace. Your spirit is saved by grace. So you can do whatever you want with your body. What? What? I know, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's basically the teaching. Now, wait a minute. Can you preach on grace around here? Absolutely. We preach on grace. Absolutely. But that has to be balanced also with this idea that somewhere in my Christian walk, i got to take up my cross and die to myself. Come on. When I recognize what Jesus did for me on the cross, now I want to please Him, not I have to please Him. Now it's not legalism. Now I get a real understanding of the grace and the price that was paid for me. Now I want to live to the standards. My kids growing up, they knew I loved them. They, they, they feel the love of mom and dad, so they want to do what's right in the house. Come on, is this making sense to anybody? The problem is we've tried to preach this a little bit and it comes out legalistic. Like we don't... No, we love you. And, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But while I'm, while, what I'm trying to do is keep some people from driving in the ditch. While some have already been there. We're not condemning you at all. Not, not one bit. But three times Jesus deals with this teaching in the seven churches. Three of the churches He deals with this issue. Um, and, and so to me, that means it, it means something. He, Paul even taught about it. Okay, again, uh, Pergamos is in Rome. Rome is in rule and power. And so Paul is writing letters to the Romans dealing with the very same thing. Let me give it to you real quick. Romans chapter number 6, verse number 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? Come on, since we got so much grace, we get to keep on doing what we want to do. We get a Savior, but we could be our own Lord. Paul, Paul's dealing with it because it's the same Roman Empire during the time. 
By the way, this is in the time Rome ruled for 1,500 years. Okay, so watch this. By no means. Hey church, hey watching on video, by no means. Just because we live in grace doesn't mean we do whatever we want. By accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're saying, Jesus, You be the Lord of my life. Show me how to live in a way that will bring glory and honor to You. And if we believe the lie of Satan, the same lie that Adam and Eve believed, then we will believe that God wants bad for us. No, God wants good for us. Come on, parents. How many of you have ever made any rules in your home because you want to bless your kids? Right? And you're like, doggone it, I wish they would have made their bed like I told them because I was going to take them out to ice cream, but now I can't because I told them I wouldn't if they didn't. Did you follow me? All right. He asked, what, do we keep on sinning? And the answer is absolutely not. No. But when we do, because nobody's perfect, but when we do, we are covered in His grace. And it changes the whole attitude from I have to to I get to, right? All right. Um, and so what I see happening a lot in American Christianity is we're trying to marry Christianity with antinomianism. And, and, and I, I want Jesus, but I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. That's basically the short version of Nicolaitan, the teaching of Nicolaitan. Here's what's interesting. Again, remember, he's talking to the church. Both of these doctrines came from somebody in the church. They're not somebody out, some wild, crazy person. Nicolaitans comes from a deacon by the name of Nick that thought, hey, can I lead a life group? Yeah, okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're, we're gonna to go after sex, power, and, 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 and anything else the body wants because we're saved by grace. It's probably the fullest class in the church. I don't know, all right? So number two. So that was, he said, I have this against you, the teaching of Nicolaitans. And then he says, I have this other teaching against you. Who is it hot? I'm sweating tonight. Man, you guys are making a brother nervous. All right. So the second is Balaam, the teaching of Balaam. Now, those Bible scholars that love to nerd out on this stuff, uh, if I pointed you all the way back, this one's a little bit complicated, but I'm going to try to not get caught in the weeds and just hit some high points. Okay. Um, uh, and, and you can take this all the way back. Where this comes from is the book of Numbers, chapter number 22. And so here's what's happening. Let me give you a little history lesson real quick. So the children of God, the Israelites, are invading Canaan, the promised land, and they're, they're taking over all the promises, the territory. And one of the kings at the time, one of the Moabite kings says, uh-oh, we're in trouble because the people of God are taking over everything. So I'm going to call the prophet Balaam and get him over here so that he will curse the people of God. Doesn't that a, pro, a pastor is going to curse the church, the people of God, right? He said, the Moabite king says, I'll pay you to curse the people of God. And, and Balaam knew he shouldn't have done it, but he thought, well, I'll at least go talk to the king. So he gets on his donkey and he goes over to talk to the king. Anybody know this story? And the donkey is smart enough to say, uh-uh, this ain't a good idea. And, and, and the donkey, this is in the Bible. The donkey starts talking to him. It was like the pre-Shrek movie. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> you need a tic-tac, you know? And, and, so, and so the donkey starts saying, you shouldn't do this thing, man. And he goes over there anyway. Ultimately, fast forward, and Balaam says to the king of Moab, he says, look, I cannot curse the people of God. But what I will do is tell you how you can make them stumble. It's there. 
Go, go to the book. You don't have to right now, but go read it in the book of Numbers chapter number 22. And then we're going to fast forward a little bit because when we go a few chapters later, Balaam tells the king what to do to cause the people of God to stumble. What he's going to tell them is very interesting to us today. And I think it fits with our culture today. But before I tell you what they are, let's fast forward a few chapters. And as we fast forward a few chapters in the book of Numbers, what happens is because the tricks worked, the people of God are stumbling. Now remember, this is Old Testament, okay? Everybody don't freak out on me. This is Old Testament stuff. You know, there's some freaky stuff in there. Because of their sin, a plague comes and 24,000 Israelites die. See, oh, where's the grace? There's grace. But what we need to understand is sin still has consequences. We can do some crazy stuff. Nothing's too great for God to forgive us. But we can get in some stuff. Anybody here ever experienced any consequences of a bad decision? Come on, let me see some honest hands here. The rest of you are liars. All right, okay. I'm just messing with you, all right? Okay, but you are. But anyway, and... Uh, because sometimes the consequences look like the presence of God has moved. Okay, so here's what Balaam told the king of Moab. Here's how you get the people of God to fall down. So watch this. There's two tricks you got to play on them. I'm going to just go over them fast. But number one has to do with sexual immorality. Basically, he says, if you'll get all the women in your town, he says, get the young women... Uh, Literally, it talks about getting the virgins and he says, let them go out and seduce the people of God and let them begin to fall into sexual sin. And when they begin to intermarry and they begin to fall into sexual sin, you'll have them right. By the way, Pergamos is where we get the word polygamy. Thanks to Balaam. Thanks to Balaam trying to pull a trick on the people of God now watch this. I'm going to cut just a little bit here. If you can't handle any more, just plug your ears for just a second, all right? I'm going to try to say this really nice because I know we don't have children's ministry on Saturday night. We don't believe in polygamy in the Christian church, so to speak, but I wonder if we don't practice polygamy in other ways. We might not marry multiple spouses, but I wonder if every time we click uh, oh, oh, I shouldn't even go there. I, I wonder if every time we flirt, I wonder if every time, come on, everybody. I wonder if we're not married. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman with lustful thoughts, right? That's our need for grace. I wonder if we don't just, if we're not living in Pergamos. Oh, but I live under grace, so I can look at whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I mean, it's okay. And, and believe me, it happens, friends. I, I can have affairs. I can, I, can, I can have sex outside of marriage. I can do whatever I want to do because I'm forgiven. I live in grace, and my body can do whatever it wants to do. No, that is not God's heart for our lives. Can everybody handle this? Okay, let's move on out of this one, all right? Whew. All right, here we go. The second trick that he plays, uh, first one is sexual immorality. The next one is this whole idea about comfort. Tell me if this doesn't sound like America. We are addicted to comfort. I am too. I'm not. I'm with you. Uh, COVID-19 comes along and I can't go get an ice cream when I want to. I'm addicted to comfort. Come on, everybody. He says, make them 
comfortable. Make them addicted to comfort and they'll stumble. Because they desperately wanted comfort. And, and, and watch this. He said, give them food. Give them the best choice food. The food that was offered to idols. Comfort is not bad. I like comfort. You like comfort. All God's people like comfort. Comfort is not bad until what we've been comforted with, now we have to have another convenience. And now we have to have another convenience. And we sacrifice our God time so that we can get some more comforts and conveniences. And now God is somewhere like number 10 on the list. And comfort, come on everybody, is number one on the list. Uh, you see, fire's not bad, right? Fire's not bad in the fireplace, but fire in the forest, how many know that's bad, right? Meat, eating meat that was offered to idols is, is I, I want you to see this real quick and we'll get off, I'll, I'll stop standing on your toe, all right? But eating meat that is offered to idols is like bringing offerings or not bringing offerings so that I can use what I should be bringing as offering to fill my own desires. I can't give to the work of Christ because I need another comfort. I'm going to bring my money to the... Uh, to, uh, but I'm going to get to eat the very thing that I'm pretending I'm getting. I'm going to get to fill my... Does that make sense? That's exactly what he's talking about there. Those are the two tricks. If you study the book of Numbers, you will see that Balaam uh, caused, the, uh, caused them to stumble by these two tricks. Now here's my question. You don't have to answer it out loud. I just want you to go on your way and consider it. Are those not two of the same tricks that the enemy is trying to play on the church of Jesus Christ in 2021? I just said, here's what I know. I would rather see somebody else make the mistake and Jesus slap somebody else's hand and me learn from their lesson rather than me get my hand slapped. You know what I'm saying? All right, so... Let's get to the correction part, and we're almost there. Okay, so Jesus loves them enough. I know this sounds tough, but Jesus loves them enough to say, hey, I want to give you an opportunity to repent, so here's what you need to do. Here's how you course correct. Give me verse number 16. Repent. Now, if that's a new word for you, it's kind of a churchy word. It just means change your direction. You've been doing these things that I just told you I don't like, so change your direction. Okay? Repent, therefore. Otherwise... I will soon come to you and will fight against them. There's the sword. Remember he said, I'm coming to you with a double-edged sword. I'm going to fight against you with the sword. He said, otherwise I'm going to come against you with my word. With my sword. Alright? Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Is that all I got under that one? Yep, I think it is. Uh, um, ain't... Let me give you one more verse real quick. Just jot this one down. I, I'm not going to go into it like I planned on. Amos chapter number 8, verse number 11. We live in a time right now where you can get the Bible all day long, every day. Podcasts, sermons. Uh, I mean, all the, all the time. We have access to the Word of God more than we've ever had it. But watch what Amos says. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. We have more churches than we've ever had. We have more preaching than we've ever had. We have more digital scripture, podcast, preaching, access. I mean, come on. Used to you have to go to the church, stand in line, and buy a 
buy a cassette tape to hear the message. We got, a, we got dozens of them just on our webpage. You can listen to any time. But Jesus said, or, or the prophet said, there's coming a time when the Word of God won't, won't even be understood. That we're not even in the Word. That we're not reading the Word. That the people of God have become more worldly than word-wordy. So what do you do? He said, he said, he, he said, he said repent. Remember in week number one, Acts chapter number three says, if you'll repent, a time of refreshing will come. I don't know about you, but I want a refreshing. I, I, I'm just tired of church normal. I, I, I'm just tired of like, well, church is church and whatever. I'd like there to be an outpouring of God where it's like, oh man, God showed up. I got to be there. But he said, that'll come, but there has to be a time of repenting. So here's a question. Don't answer it out loud. What, refle what, refle what refreshing are you looking for? And what repentance do you need to make? And then he says, if you don't do it, then I'm coming. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's, it, it, and remember, he's talking to the church. Okay. Um, let's see. Now, uh, let me just clarify one thing, and, and we'll do our last point. Um, he's not talking about mistakes here, everybody. How many know we all make mistakes? The preacher makes probably more than you do. I mean, we all make mistakes, okay? I'm not preaching this because I've arrived. We all make mistakes. But is our desire to live a life that's pleasing to Jesus? I, I want to make that clear. Be because he's, not talk he he's talking about right here habitual, continual, on purpose, justifying it, defending it, not repenting, making excuses, rebellious sin. That's what we're talking about in this church. We're not talking about mess-ups. We're not talking about being on a journey. We're not talking about, oh, Lord, forgive me, I'm trying really hard. We're not talking about all that. Listen, let me just say it again. We're not looking for perfect people around here. Jesus isn't looking for perfect people. I don't. If you're a perfect person, please stop coming to this church because I will break into hives. I'm telling you right now. I cannot handle perfect people, and I can't handle people that try to act like they're perfect, like their breath doesn't stink, right? We're not looking for perfect people. But here's what, here's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for people that are willing to be perfected. In other words, he's looking for some people that will stop just being in the crowd and start being a disciple. I want to become more like Jesus. Come on. It's okay that you don't have it all together, but there has to come a time when we mature in Christ. We're growing in God. There, I'm taking another step towards Him. Right? I'm willing to be perfected. Let me give you a little more history to this. Historically, uh, uh, there was a Roman Empire, uh, emperor before Constantine. I can't pronounce his name and I can't remember it right now. You can look it up in history. He tried to destroy the church and he couldn't destroy the church. Constantine comes along and says, if you can't beat them, join them. Constantine becomes what we think is a Christian and he makes Christianity the state religion. Now we got the inquisitions and if you don't follow God, we're going to chop your head off. How many know that's not a good form of evangelism, right everybody? Right? Okay. So, so Constantine joins the church. One emperor could not crush the church. So Constantine comes along and by compromising, he corrupts the church because the last emperor, the, the, the last one could not crush the church. So here's the devil's plan. If I can't crush the church, if I can get the church to compromise, that's exactly what we see in history that Constantine does. 
And now the church for the first time, all up until Constantine, man, the church was growing like crazy because all the disciples had to leverage was love. But now they got power because the state's behind it. Now they're leveraging power. Anytime we leverage anything besides love, the church goes backwards and not forwards. Anytime we start leveraging rules and law and power and you can't and all that, the church goes backwards. If anything, history teaches us that, everybody. Okay. Um, when you can't crush, then you start compromising. I think that's what the enemy is up to today. He can't stop the church. COVID, you can't meet. <laughs> oh, yeah? Come on, the church was strong during COVID. So he couldn't crush the church. But is he trying to get you to compromise? Okay, here's my last point and I'll be out of your way. Whew. Number four. Here is the promise that he gives. And I want you to hear this one. This is the... The, 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 I hope this ends this on a little bit better, better plain. Uh, give me that, whatever that my next verse is. Uh, whoever has ears, Jesus is saying this, hey, look, I know this has been tough to hear, but whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church as. To the one who is victorious, watch this, to the one that's victorious in these times that we're living in, I will give some of the hidden manna. These are the promises. And I want you to claim the promises before you leave here tonight. I will give some of the, I'll tell you what they mean. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Here's threefold promises that if we won't compromise and we won't let our lights and we will attempt to live a life that is glorifying to Christ. Here's the three promises he gives us. Number one, he says, I'll give you hidden manna. Hidden manna, basically, all that really means is I will fulfill you and I will sustain you. Come on, everybody. Remember the Israelites? Manna, 40 years. I will fulfill you. I will fill you up. But if you keep trying to fill yourself up by the world, remember what he told the woman at the well? If you drink from this well, you will thirst again. If you look at this if you look at this website, it won't be long. You'll be wanting to look at it again. If you do this thing to be happy, it won't be long. You'll be wanting to do it again. But if you quit living worldly and start living word-y, then I will give you hidden manna and you will be fulfilled. It will fill the voids in your life. Come on, that's high five, Pastor Ken. That's good stuff. I like that. Number two, the second thing he says, I'm going to give you a white stone. And I know that's, that sounds like, who cares about a white stone? We can get them all over the place. Well, um, in ancient times, if you were like brought before a jury, like maybe you did something wrong, and you're brought before a jury, the jury would meet, and then they would come out, and they would hand the judge a, a stone. And a black stone meant you were guilty, and you're in big trouble. But a white stone given to the judge meant you're acquitted, and you're considered innocent. I don't know about you. I want Jesus' white stone in my pocket because He says I'm innocent. Not because I'm perfect. Come on, everybody got that? Not because I got it all together, but because I'm living under His genuine grace and taking up my cross. And then lastly, He says, I'll give them a new name. He says, I'll take the white stone and I'll put a new name on it. See, culture wants to name you something. Your addiction wants to name you something. Your habit wants to name you something. Your background wants to name you something. But Jesus is saying, don't be identified by any of that. 
I am what He calls me. And He calls me an overcomer. And He calls me the head and not the tail. And He calls me the first and not the last. And He calls me a winner. And He calls me victorious. And He calls me His Son. And He calls... Come on, everybody, right? Okay. Now, one more white stone thing. In the Olympic Games, uh, if, you, if you were the winner, you got a white stone given to you from the emperor, which entitled you, and I got a bucket of white stones up here. So if you're the winner in the games, Paul said we're all in a race. And if you finish the race, if you win the race, in, in Jesus' equation, everybody that finishes the race is a winner. And the emperor would give the winner a white stone. And the white stone entitled him. It was his ticket to go anywhere in town and enjoy the benefits of the emperor. I'm, I got this. That means I get whatever the emperor would get when he come into your establishment. By the way, it, it, it labels them as a conqueror. And, and by the way, just real quick trivia in case you ever win a million dollars. I helped you. Don't forget to bring a little back to your pastor. All right. The conqueror, the white stone conquerors where Nike for Nike tennis shoes got their name. The white stone conqueror. That's what it means. I'm a winner. I'm a champion. And I get the benefits of a champion. I don't know about you, but I want the benefits of being an overcomer and a champion. Amen, everybody? Would you stand with me all over this place?